In 2015, over 1 million refugees arrived to Greece, a country roughly the size of Alabama. Just 16,000 kilometers from Turkey, Greece is a gateway for refugees escaping oppressive governments, life-threatening crises, and violent conflicts in their home countries. Upon arrival, however, they are confronted by the reality of a crippled economy and a limited infrastructure that cannot meet basic needs like food, housing, and medical attention. And things only became more strained as the refugee crisis reached new heights. According to recent UN estimates, there are 22.5 million refugees globally. In a country like Greece, the solutions had to come from somewhere beyond government aid programs. In light of these realities, the evangelical community responded with remarkable speed. On today's episode of The Feature, we have a conversation with Matt Gully, the director of Mercy Ministries, and discuss how his team responded by establishing hospitality centers, and in some cases, even having refugees in their homes. In 2018 alone, Mercy Ministries served more than 40,000 meals and provided medical services to 2,500 people. One Mercy Ministry staffer wrote, The trauma of escaping from war and conflict-torn countries brings people to Greece with a desire for a new way of life. In this episode, you'll also hear from Masood Gormani. Masood is from Afghanistan, and his story is an inspiration. You'll only hear parts of it referenced in our conversations, since this was recorded during the Anastasi Conference. Masood escaped from Afghanistan after seeing the threat radical groups presented to his family. He fled to Turkey. Not long after, he realized his family was still not safe, so they got on a boat for Greece. During the voyage, his son nearly drowned, so when he arrived to Greece, he was desperate. Christians attached to Mercy Ministries took him and his family in. When he realized they were believers, Masood said he was alarmed. Being a Muslim, he'd heard stories of how Christians demanded conversion in exchange for their aid. But these believers demanded nothing. They cared for his family, offered meals, taught him Greek. After months, he knew they had Bible studies and prayed before meals, but they never required this of him. Eventually, his curiosity about this led him to ask why nothing was demanded in exchange for their help. They shared the story of Jesus, and now Masood is a believer and pastor of a refugee church showing the same hospitality that was once showed to him. Crises like these force the Christian community to wrestle with the connection between the gospel and human needs. One Greek pastor, writing about the movements in Athens, saw two types of responses from the church. He wrote, At one end of the spectrum is the fundamentalist trend, which views the refugees chiefly as objects of evangelism, only to be clothed or fed if it leads to an opportunity to share the gospel. At the other end, is the social gospel trend, which views sharing bread already as sharing Christ and considers verbal gospel proclamation unnecessary and even undesirable. What you're about to hear is a conversation with Masood and Matt on this question. This was recorded during our time in Greece at the Anastasi Conference, so you're going to hear some ambient sounds and some fluctuations in our voices. We apologize about that in advance, and we're confident the conversation will still be enriching. In a world needing a story that makes the city whole, Matt and Masood share compelling testimonies of integration, hospitality, and grace. Matt, how did you get involved with Mercy Ministries? So my wife and I uh, started coming to Greece in 2005, 6, and 7, bringing short-term mission teams of high school students 
my wife is from Greece. She grew up here. We met in the U.S. in college. And so on these trips, this was our first time to work with refugees. Um, first time I met anybody from Afghanistan, I sat down at a table at a refugee center in 2005. And uh, two men shared their stories with me. And it was more than anything I had, had ever heard or, or known in my life. Um, the, difficult, the difficulties from which they left their country, the, the challenges and suffering they faced on the three, four month journey to Greece from Afghanistan. Uh, one of the families had a baby on the way and it just really broke my mind, broke my heart, broke my uh, understanding of, of life. And so that kind of put a hook in my soul. <laughs> the second thing was noticing the freedom and the honesty of their questions. So they had recently gone into a church uh, when I talked with them and they said uh, in the church they were giving a little bread and a little red wine. What was that? And I said, Phew. this free open door to tell them about the body and the blood of Christ, the sacrifice, the forgiveness of sins, all, all this about Jesus. And so that, that was the point in which we kind of got addicted to the idea of serving refugees and serving Muslims coming into a place where there's freedom to seek truth. Um, and so that was in 2005, 2006. Yeah, really, God called us that year, and we moved in 2008 to Athens to uh, work with Mercy Ministries, and I've been here for, yeah, almost 11 years now. What were some of the most shocking perception changes, maybe some assumptions that you had as you were engaging Muslims in Greece? Mm -hmm. What were some of the most shocking or, or surprising things where you were like, hey, I thought this, mm -hmm. or I had assumed this, and I, I just didn't understand? You know, the challenge with... Uh, having only the news media as your source of information about people from nations that are in conflict with, with the U.S. is that becomes your, your identity, <laughs> the perspective of, of the identity of those people. And so when you sit across from somebody uh, that's from Afghanistan or from an Arabic nation many times, uh, there's this fear. What are they going to do? What are they going to say when I talk about Jesus as the Son of God? What, what are they going to do when... when and, and all these fears are, are really false. They're, they're really... Uh, they're not validated by reality. Hmm. So I noticed the more time I sat down... My first Bible study was 18 guys came at an invitation to study the Bible. Uh, 18 guys from North Africa came. And I was terrified. I had, I had no training. I'd never studied the Bible with a Muslim before. And I thought, oh, God, what are you doing? I kind of didn't think they would come, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we started discussing, and I didn't know what to do. So by the end of the group, I opened the Bible, and I read John chapter 1. And we prayed and said, okay, God be with you guys. And that was our Bible study. I didn't, like, I, there was... There's no school that Very will teach study, you to do yeah. that, you know. <laughs> uh, but what happened uh, beyond approach, beyond methodology, was relationship. And through the relationship, they were able to teach me uh, their beliefs, uh, their convictions, why they moved, uh, how, their pursuit of God. And uh, many of them did not become Christians of, of that group that I know of now. Some of us are still in contact after 10 years. But man, they taught me a lot. That, that became my school, they became my teachers. Yeah, so you were, you were gaining insights and your perceptions were changing the more you did the ministry. The more, yeah, the more I did the ministry and the more I engaged in the relationships of those we were serving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. pursued real friendship. 
That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Masood, what about you? I mean, I'm sure there's, uh, when you came from Afghanistan and encountered Christians in Greece, I'm sure that there was a perception challenge there. What are some of the things that changed in terms of your thoughts of Christians? Yeah, as a mis- Muslim uh, uh, person who grew up in religion family, so uh, we, we already learn about Christian and about their faith and life and um, it was strong picture as well <laughs> so uh, when I came to Greece uh, for first time I saw believers they are very kind they are sharing food with uh, to refugees and uh, they are very kind and also it was very shock to me and I thought okay uh, but they're supposed to be at least not um, this much kind and love, yeah. So uh, I find very different as I heard, I, I have taught, then I came and see and met them. I remember first time I met uh, Mr. Matt and um, yeah, he asked me, do you want to share your story, how you came to Greece? So it was uh, welcoming and very embarrassing, warm uh, uh, behavior, yeah. The thing that surprised you was the, the warmth and the, the welcoming friendship. Yeah, yeah. And maybe even the genuine interest in your story. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Um, because, uh, uh, you know, in our culture, we learn about Christianity and always, uh, you know, our leader define our our faith and comparing to the others and they say okay we are the best one and they are this they are wrong they are bald and uh, even even uh, uh, because we, we run from the war uh, we had deep and and uh, uh, a big hurt inside uh, so people are teach us because of the American, because of the uh, Western people, uh, we have those problems and we had to leave our, our home and our country, our land. So, uh, but when we see the people, when, when we see the relationship, when we see their friendship, uh, it was surprising. Uh, total, it was total different that we had thought and we see and we had experience now. That's amazing, and I'm glad for it. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Let me ask, I I know that part of the reason that refugees are arriving to Mercy Ministries is uh, you guys provide some social service or you address some felt needs, right? So I know uh, some of what is done is there's there's showers available, laundry services, clothing, meals, uh, general healthcare services. I met Costas who does uh, dentistry for Hellenic Ministries, and so I know he's doing some dentistry work among refugees. Why do you believe ministry of this type, ministry of social services, is is important? I think we have the example in scripture of it, uh, that the gospel is is very much uh, to be uh, proclaimed and to be be done, to be seen, to be in word and deed. Um, And so uh, you see that throughout scripture. I think it's the true spirit of Christ in us to have compassion on people uh, that are in a time of need. There's a, you know, if you consider the size of Greece, in American standards, it's the size of Alabama. 
uh, to have the, the tens of thousands, and even as you mentioned in 2015, the million that came in and have gone out and, and are stuck in Greece, the systems here are not big enough to be able to really care for the people in a, in a humane way. I can give, even give you the example when, when the camps uh, from the islands first opened to bring ships of thousands to the mainland, uh, to Athens. There was not a lot of preparation for that. And so the old airport was open, uh, a few stadiums were open, and you had thousands of people sleeping in tents or just throwing blankets down in these locations. There were no food provisions. Uh, and so the first people to step up was the evangelical church community. And 2,500 meals a day were being served through churches and organizations in Athens. And the mayors uh, and some of these places that hosted these stadiums took notice of that. And they said the first to respond, and you're talking about in a country where 0.2% of the population is evangelical or Protestant even. And so that's a huge statement. Just out of our, our kitchen alone, we cooked uh, 20,000 meals in eight weeks on top of uh, the thousands we were serving through our, our programs uh, in that time. And so there's just a, a real human need. You can't tell somebody uh, about the love of Jesus and leave them hungry and naked and, and lying on the street. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, and that becomes, you know, it's, it's an unending need. Uh, it's not like we, we completely fulfill the need right now because of the, the situation is constantly changing. A lot of housing programs are finishing. Cash cards that have been given to families and individuals have stopped uh, for many people. And so many of our own uh, in the church community, even of, of our staff, have lost their housing. Uh, they're, they're having to room in with other people. We're trying to find housing solutions. We're, we're looking for ways to, to provide so that our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, from Afghanistan, from Iran, from Sudan, from, from some different places are not sleeping in the park again, like many of them did when they first arrived. And so uh, the needs are overwhelming and unending. And praise God, we have the opportunity to be there to respond as the body of Christ. We believe that that is his work and it's not us doing it for him. We believe he's doing it among us, uh, through us. Yeah. I'm going to ask a few follow-up questions related to that. Sure. There, there's a couple things that came up that are interesting. I'll ask the, question, the first question for both of you. Uh, Masood, I'll start with you as well. Uh, in the U.S., there is a lot of tension between uh, what exactly is gospel ministry, right? So some people say, well, social services are nice, but, but that, you do that as, as a nice thing to do as good Christians. What you need to do is preach the gospel. Uh, Matt, what you did here was, was tie the two together and mm -hmm. say, hey, these things are both part of it. Uh, what would you say, Masood, to those who, given your context and your history and story, what would you say to those who say, hey, these things are separate? How, how would you respond to that? Yeah. Uh, well, um, the true ministry of gospel is love ministry, and is love response, uh, you know, complete, not part. So uh, if I say from refugee context, we, we are facing to the people who, who come from long journey and difficult, and they had a lot of uh, bad and uh, hurt experience. So we, we, we do have needs, we, we, do, we do see the needs, a great need, needs of physical 
emotional and spiritual. So um, uh, as a as a Christian, as a people who doing the the ministry and showing love of Christ, um, I believe the the every side need to uh, care and respond as much as we can. Of course, we cannot uh, respond and uh, uh, cover all the needs, uh, but as much as we can, we need to respond in three different area. So, for example, if I, um, uh, absolutely, we need to share the gospel with them. We need to hear their stories. And a lot of pain come out when, they are, when we sit and spend time with them. And they can share their hearts and we can uh, pray for them, we can share the gospel. And also, they are broken emotionally. They are betrayed. They, they had a very uh, deep and bad experience uh, of the journey. So um, I think uh, the best help is in these three areas and also physical help. So we have brother and sister who, who are in, in the street. We need to help them. We need to provide shelters. And um, uh, uh, we need to take care of them. We need to uh, bring this picture of family and uh, love uh, to the community and also to the other who are not yet uh, Christian. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think if, if I respond to this question, I say um, uh, the true love will cover and not say part and not deny yeah. So it, uh, love doesn't draw lines yeah. of, of what yeah. is necessary yeah. or what should be done. Embracing everything and as much as we are limited, but as much as we can, yeah. we do the as, best. As what's within our means to do. Yeah. Do Matt, is there anything you would like to add to that? Yeah, I think we can, all, we can often come to uh, the gospel as, as a project and we can go out and do evangelism and we can run uh, A, B, and C and forget about the rest of the alphabet. Uh, but when we look, again, look at Acts, what happened with the church? 3,000 in Acts 2 were baptized and brought into the church and, and became the church. And what did they do? They lived, lived together. They lived together. They shared together. And that's what Ephesians talks about, that we're members together. We're shares together. We're, we're one body. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's a trueness to the family that the gospel is not just, you know, <laughs> the five points of salvation or the, or the, or what, the Romans road or, or the four spiritual laws or yeah. whatever we want to call it, you know. The gospel is very much that somebody is being brought into the family of God. They're being brought in as brothers and sisters of Christ. And how do we treat our own families? Well, maybe we don't have good examples of that. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's a vision of that in scripture. There's a vision of that in scripture. And so, yeah, I think we very much see them working together and, uh, and not uh, just a, a simple project that we go and, and preach and, okay, you're saved, great, God bless you. Uh, go read your Bible. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's very much a full package. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we say amen to that. Uh, another thing that came up in, in your example of what was going on in Athens with the opening of the stadiums and those kinds of things is the, the reality of kind of the state of affairs in Greece. You know, in 2010, there was a, you know, the, the threat of economic crisis and there's been recessions and so forth, back and forth. So, so Greece is in its own complicated mm -hmm. place. Uh, how has the church kind of stepped in 
uh, in part to address this uh, refugee crisis or situation. I, I hesitate to call it a crisis, it's an opportunity. But you know, how does the church address or step in where the, where the government cannot? And you've already addressed that to some degree, but maybe flesh that out for us. Yeah, I, I think that uh, since March 2016, with the deal between EU and Turkey, the borders closed and, and have been more stably closed than even before the, the flood of 2015 of refugees. And so um, people are staying longer. Uh, there's more of an opportunity to really develop more stability in the Christian community, in the church. Uh, and so discipleship is happening a lot more. And so, yeah, I think the church is stepping in in a, in a way uh, that the government can't. You have re Greeks having a hard time to find work. And so how much more difficult for refugees who don't speak the language who don't have the culture, who don't understand things in the society. And so uh, there are ways that churches have stepped in to, to even just connect people for work, provide some working opportunities. Uh, right now, one of the things we've, we're just in the beginning of is uh, beginning a skills training center. Uh, we have a few Afghan women uh, that are, have been trained, they have another month of training to go, and they're ready to train others in uh, sewing. And so we have a, a small business for starting with that. We'll also do evangelistic courses to be able to equip other women and take a, a sewing machine to, to do the work uh, in their community. But finding ways to empower and, and, and uh, increase stability into uh, the Persian Christian community is one of our focuses right now. Um, and so I, I think you see that in the church, uh, not just in our ministry. You see that in a few other churches, a few other ministries people recognizing the need for more sustainable efforts in ministry and work and providing work and providing skills for work. Language uh, classes are also critical, both English and Greek. And so uh, we're doing that, the church is doing that in different locations to better equip refugees so they can have a, a chance at working. Hmm. Let me ask this question again for uh, both of you can contribute to it. Uh, Masood, I'm gonna start with you, the same thing. Uh, the refugee situation in Greece, in Europe, in the U.S., it, it becomes a kind of political, you know, hot subject. I know, I know that it's an election year, I believe, here in Greece, and so I'm sure that's already part of the discussions here. I've seen some of that in the news, and I know for a fact that it's a discussion subject in the U.S. How can the church use its voice on behalf of the refugee uh, when this becomes such a politically or emotionally charged subject? How can the church speak for and on behalf of refugees? Yeah, so a lot of voices, um, we are here and uh, we, we forget what God has planned in those all of uh, the situations. So, um, uh, yeah, church can annoy saying that the situation is not um, is is it in uh, God control the situation mm -hmm. and if we are talking about the refugee um, God bring them and this is the reality and how we can deal with with this um, uh, needs problems uh, challenges uh, so it's very important and uh, I think it's important that how we can uh, face it, how we, we understand about the situation, we can uh, deal and uh, provide for it. Mm -hmm. 
um, uh, yeah, I think a church can be uh, very helpful in this situation and um, uh, help uh, the refugee to be part of the society. The biggest uh, problem for, for refugee, if I'm talking about myself and my family, uh, it's very hard and difficult to be part of the society. There is a language problem, there is a, a culture, very different culture, different perspective, understanding. Um, I think the church could be a good gate for, for the people that they can come and meet the other believers in, in, in the church and make friendship and uh, they can uh, learn the language and then they go to the work and they, they can go to the society. So the children are already going to the school. So we must uh, see the picture from, uh, from, from eyes of God, how God bring them here, what he has planned for them. So I think it's very important uh, for the church to pray and be involved and help refugee to also they can be part of the society. Yeah, show real hospitality is yeah. what that sounds like. I love this idea of the church being that transition or, or to help be that bridge between the culture and the, the newcomer. Matt, you talked a little bit about Greece being kind of a transition mm -hmm. country for, for refugees who are on their way kind of deeper and into Europe. How have refugees been integrated into society here in Greece, and how are you helping equip them so that they can be better, to, uh, better prepared to integrate wherever they end up further mm -hmm. in Europe? Yeah, some some of those things we talked about, I think, with uh, language courses and uh, some of the skills, uh, things that we're doing, also being able to provide some of the uh, opportunities for work and in, in the ministries that, programs that we're actually doing, and uh, you know, also hosting. Uh, events that promote the unity of the church, that bring churches together. Uh, th those are some things. I think one thing that we also look at as people are coming and going and, uh, you know, one thing we, we recognize is this is a new time we live in. Uh, if we consider Afghanistan, uh, Masoud's from Afghanistan, there's not a, uh, a strong Christian heritage in their country. And yet, we, we believe one's being created right now. Uh, we believe that through what's happening with the refugees, God has been answering the prayers of the church that has been praying for that country and for that part of the world for decades. Mm -hmm. And to recognize that this year, last year, and next year, there are thousands of Afghans that are coming to faith in Christ in Europe right now. Thousands in different countries. And the ones that uh, we are worshiping together with, that we are seeing, that we are uh, uh, seeing go out, I think there's a, a missional heart for their people and their nation that's being uh, created in their journey with Christ from the very beginning. And so, you know, our, our prayer and our hope is that they would, that many of them would be called back. We don't know what that looks like. Yeah. We know there are many challenges to that. But it's not just that they would go back, it's that they would take this uh, missional DNA that's from the very beginning of their, of their new life in Christ and be able to influence the churches that they go to in different parts of Europe uh, to pray in that direction and trust God. Mm -hmm. 
that he's going to do something in our lifetime that is revolutionary for the kingdom of God in those lands. Um, and so a lot of our equipping and, and integration, I think, is even with the church. Uh, you know, you have churches in Europe that have been sleeping. And whether they wanted to wake up or not, refugees are on their doorstep <laughs> and have been. And here they are. What do you do? And, and praise God, I think a lot of people have been, have had a, a fire reignited, yeah, in them to say, wow, God, you're doing amazing things, bringing men and women and families out of Islam, out of their countries, all the way to this little village in Germany. And they're more on fire for Christ than this other guy that's been a follower of Christ for 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a uniqueness to that, that situation. And that's one of the contributions that a new believer makes to the faith, right? They reignite absolutely. and they bring you energy. And so, yeah. Absolutely. Masood, as a pastor, what's one thing you wish the church in the U.S. would just know? What's one thing that you're like, if only they could, if I could speak this, if I could preach one message to them, what would it be? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I wish they, uh, they knew um, the reality of the picture, not uh, hearing and um, uh, watching through the media and television, but uh, coming and seeing uh, and, and feel and talk with people and see the situation. And here the people who coming from Afghanistan and they, they were Muslim and they, they come because of, you know, they escape because of their life. And they, now they are Christian. Um, God has huge plan for, for those. And uh, if I asking to the uh, to churches in U.S., I would say, uh, you, you have to hear their story and you have to hear their vision. And um, God, God has plan for them and is not alone for them. This is from all the church and all the church must be involving and uh, God has plan for the nation. He want to change and uh, he want to bring the life to the darkness. I come from Muslim background. I, I know how it's feel living in darkness without hope, without, uh, without light, you know. And uh, many of people right now, they don't hear the gospel. And uh, there's a, a big shadow and heavy and God wants to shine his light in, in this uh, land. Uh, so uh, I would say, uh, see the picture what Lord bring and want to show you and hear their story. Uh, um, seek and search what God want, called them to do and help them. This Absolutely. Is. Uh, I've been really grateful for my time here at Anastasi Conference because I had the opportunity to hear your story. And one of the things that, that I walked away kind of thinking about for, honestly, the rest of the next day was uh, you talked about that when, when you finally came to faith, when you finally uh, came to believe the gospel and that the, what the Lord did was for you, uh, you said something to the effect of, and in that process of discipleship, I learned to love my wife. And that, and that, was, that was new for me. Right? I hadn't even thought of that as an application point. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, it, was, it was like, okay, yeah, that... That is what the gospel would do. It would change a marriage. It would change a family. Yeah. And so I've been really grateful to hear not just how you came to faith, but then also what things happened after. Yes. Um, 
that, that's been a gift to me. We can say a lot about the, uh, how God changed and how he used the difficult situation. In Greece, I never, I never ever had thinking sometime I will be Christian. <laughs> I will serve the church. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're a pastor now. Uh, yeah, and it's happened. It's yeah. happened. So uh, our God is amazing. And yeah. he has planned that we, we, didn't, we never thought and we, nev- we, we never had the uh, thinking about it. So it's big and uh, huge and it's good. Good uh, planning Absolutely. that uh, our God has for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, if you could tell the church, hey, there's, mm-hmm. I wish you could get involved in this way. What's, what's the one thing that you say, I wish I could see this? Maybe even in the States, maybe if it's not here in Greece, elsewhere, when it comes to engaging the refugee community. I think uh, one thing that is frustrating that happens in the church is when politics dominate the discussion and when we can't see past party lines and we can't see past the rhetoric and and all this when the reality is God's kingdom story is so much bigger that from the right from the left from the center from not on the spectrum we should be able to work together as brothers and sisters in Christ toward what God is doing and so I think really that we would elevate our eyes to see what God's doing and join him in that work and not allow uh, those discussions to divide to divide us but to unite in the work of God that will cause us whether we want to wall up or whether we want no borders in the world uh, that we should be able to love one another that we should be able to serve in the name of Christ and recognize that that um, man, God is doing amazing amazing things in this time this is a unique time in history and we need to be not just repeating the news stories, we need to be repeating, like Masood said, learn the stories, learn what God's doing, and tell those stories. They're powerful, and they should be a a conversation that's ongoing uh, in the church. And um, we've not been called to a spirit of fear, right? Right. We we live in fear too often, I think. So I, I think that would be, maybe that's not a specific answer, but I think if we start living in that way, not in fear, but in Christ, <laughs> then uh, God shows us what to do. And I think it all happens in relationship. And so wherever you are in the U.S., there, is, uh, there are refugees there, I imagine. There are immigrants there. There are people to learn from and to serve uh, that have needs of some kind. Uh, how do we reach out and engage our neighbors? and love them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, we want to respect your time, both of you, and we want to thank you for taking the time to be with us at World Outspoken. Again, our commitment is to see believers integrating their faith in the public world and, uh, and changing the city with the story of Christ by telling new stories and by creating new efforts that change the way the, the systems and the culture works. And so we see that happening in Mercy Ministries. Masood, we thank you for uh, doing that work as a pastor and and working with the communities that are here. And so we want to thank you for that. Is there anything that we missed that we didn't ask you that you're like, hey, I I just want to make sure I get this one last thing in? I think, well, we want to say thank you from our side for being uh, someone that's telling that story. So thank you for putting uh, good media out and, uh, and, and communicating what God is doing and uh and the varied efforts and yeah. uh, putting this out so thank you for that thank you yeah that's it um i just want to mention one more uh thought 
um, as a as a new community um, from Muslim background in in Athens, we really um, meet um, our brother and sister to 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 call us as a family and uh, just being with us in in our difficulty that we are facing and. Um, um, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, you provide the program that we can share our hearts and yeah, you can share with others. That, that, that's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. If, if there are people that, uh, from your, your listening audience that want to get involved, we do have ways to get involved, uh, either through some of our relief work in Athens, that's uh, in, uh, in Greece, actually, uh, that is relief-oriented. They can come for however long they want, really, uh, but a, I'd say a two-week minimum for that, uh, and other ministry efforts that they can engage in in Athens with our team, so they could just contact us through yeah. the website even. And we'll share Hellenic Ministries' website, the Mercy Ministries. Uh, we'll have that on the show notes for the podcast and on our website, and so people can, can find out more. Uh, Matt will make sure that we get information from you on any specifics you want us to share. Uh, but yeah, if you want to get involved, you can learn more on World Outspoken websites or at least get connected to the right place so that yeah. you can find out more about Mercy Ministries. Again, thank you both. We are now going to pack up and head to the conference for another session here. And so many blessings to you on your ministry. And again, thank you. Thank you. Matt and Masood showed us the importance of listening to the stories of the other and serving one another with hospitality and grace. This is just one part of a three-part series covering the different stories we heard while at the Anastasy Conference. If you don't want to miss the other episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and to go to worldoutspoken.com for other features, podcasts, articles that we'll be writing on culture making. This is a ministry that is dedicated to helping Christians understand how they can culture make in their different areas and spheres. For more information, sign up to our newsletter so you can continue to get updates from World Outspoken and what we're doing in cities abroad. Thank you again for listening to the feature.